0: The get-back restoration, the Omicron variant, a new Surgeon General warning, do social media followers equate to book sales, violence in Chicago, and more on today's edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 165 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and we have a lot to cover on today's show. I want to, if I can use a Jen psaki I want to circle back to episode 164 just briefly where I discussed the new Beatles documentary, Which is about eight hours long. And I had mentioned that I thought it looked absolutely fantastic for old footage. So I've done a little research since the last episode and am even more amazed now at the technology that was used and just how good the restoration was, both of the video and audio on the Beatles documentary. It was directed by Peter Jackson, who also worked on a documentary about World War I a few years back and used some absolutely stunning technology to bring World War I footage, which of course would look quite dated and all of the problems that you have with old film. and restored it to the point to where the realism was fantastic it's the same system that was used with the Beatles get back restoration and even more so with the Beatles was the audio restoration that was done because when they were doing this the Beatles were even though this was their movie that they were doing in 1969 it was more or less to fulfill a commitment that they needed another movie because they had a contract. And even though this was going to be a documentary, there were times where the Beatles would intentionally, as Peter Jackson, the director would point out here, would intentionally turn up the amplifier a little and just strum on the guitar or bass, whatever it was to make noise while they were having the conversation because they didn't want the microphones that were being used to pick them up to be able to hear that part of the conversation. When they started looking at the video and listening to the audio available to them for this documentary, they were trying to clean up, obviously, the video, which they did a fantastic job, but also they needed to not only clean up the audio, but they wanted to try to isolate the voices so you could understand what was being said. And also you have to understand the microphones that picked up the audio for a lot of this, even when they're playing songs, rehearsing songs, writing songs, they weren't going in to an eight track deck for a lot of the process. Meaning, you didn't have the ability to go, oh, well, the drums are a little too loud. Let me bring those down. Or the vocal, well, yeah, that's a little too loud. Let's bring that down or bring this up. When you have a mono recording, up until this point, you get what you get. I mean, you can do a little bit of equalization. Again, up until this point, that's all you've been able to do. But Peter Jackson tasked. The people that were working on this movie, who were AI experts, and obviously do a really good job because what they did was they used machine learning to be able to teach the computer, more or less, what a bass sounds like, what a guitar sounds like, what drums sound like, and what each of the voices of the Beatles sounded like, where they could then isolate. Hey, you just want to hear the bass part of this, or you just want to hear the guitar part of this, or you just want to hear what they were saying. Peter Jackson said it was absolutely stunning to him how well this worked, where you could then have a very clear dialogue. And he's like, even though there was, you know, Ringo banging it down on the drums a few feet away for the whole thing, the AI was able to isolate it to the point where you didn't even know the drums were there. So not only do they give us a lot more usable audio for the dialogue in this documentary, but they were also able to make those mono recordings sound a lot better because if the microphone that was being used was way closer to the bass, well, you might not hear the guitar much. And they were able to take all of the different parts going on for those songs and then were able to mix them. They were able to adjust the volume on the instruments, balance everything out, which is why the documentary looks and sounds so darn good. And it was interesting because this was originally supposed to be a movie release, a theatrical release, about two and a half hours in length, but then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, they went to Peter Jackson and said, you know, we're going to push everything back." About a year. And he was like, great, because we think we have something that we're not quite finished on yet. And when it came time for Peter Jackson to submit this to the Evil Disney Corp, well, they were still expecting Disney and the Beatles, they were still expecting, you know, about a two and a half hour, three hour movie, documentary, whatever you want to call it. And what he brought to them was just a little bit longer. And they were like, no, that's great. This would have never happened without COVID. We would have probably had to get this down to two and a half, three hours because it really moved into the realm of, well, online streaming is maybe the way to go. We were able to get the extended cut in Peter Jackson. No stranger to the extended cuts. The original cut that he then whittled down to about the eight hours was 18 hours long, I believe he said in an interview, which means there could be an extended cut somewhere along the lines, which I know anybody who hates the Beatles is like, oh my God, eight hours? That was a lot. But Peter Jackson did assure in the interview that I saw that as a Beatles fan, Anything that he saw or heard where he's like, wow, this is just super cool, made it into the documentary, which was a good choice, I think. Yeah, this was not something that was, hey, we have to cut everything to hit a certain time mark. He thought that adding more in was better because otherwise this stuff could sit in a vault for another 50 years, and he wanted the fans to be able to see all of the crazy stuff all of the goofy stuff and I do think it works really well so before we go off on a whole nother episode just suggesting you go see this documentary well by go see this I mean go to your couch and watch it we can get into some other news because there are other things going on in the world believe it or not COVID is still around this Omicron variant to me is quite interesting It's being used for a fear tactic, which is what governments around the world are seemingly doing with everything right now. But to me, it seems like this may be a positive thing where this is guesswork, I understand. But there are some scientists who believe that the Omicron variant is the result of somebody in South Africa who. Had COVID 19 at the same time that they had the common cold. And it's kind of like these two things merged together. And what you see in the mainstream media news coverage is that, oh my God, Omicron is spreading like wildfire. And that may be true. We still need a lot of data. We need to follow a lot more things than. With all things scientific, you want more data, not less. And you have to see how things play out. But the reality is, in South Africa, the doctor that first discovered this and others are reporting that it doesn't seem like the symptoms are all that bad with this version of COVID-19. The symptoms that people have are mild and they resolve themselves Fairly quickly, often in a couple of days, two or three days, which sounds a lot like the common cold to me. So, the possibility that COVID 19 and the common cold may have merged would actually be a really good sign for humanity because people don't die of the cold. You get it, it's a minor inconvenience, it doesn't really knock people off their feet. You have the sniffles for a few days and then you move on with your life. With that said, if this actually happened, you now also then would have, once you have this minor bit of COVID-19, well, you'd still have an immunity to COVID-19, it appears. Again, there's a lot of science that still needs to be figured out, but this is not being treated as a positive thing. In any of the media that I'm seeing, and maybe I'm totally wrong here, and maybe this won't play out, but there seems to be a lot of positives coming out of this variant and the fact that it is less severe, it's more like the cold, which is also a coronavirus, and possibly this would help everybody get to herd immunity and move on and not have to worry about COVID-19 anymore, but then we'll be worrying about what, COVID-22, 23. It'll come back, right? Seems about once every hundred years, something like this happens. And of course, maybe that's going to be made a little bit more common because of all of the science going on around this stuff. People messing with viruses. I don't know. We need it on one hand to understand And to come up with treatments. But the more people mess with things they don't know what they're doing, and a virus gets out, it really is like an old horror movie. But we're kind of living that right now. The US Surgeon General came out with a rare public health advisory. And this really wasn't a surprise either that this is all about the mental health challenges that are confronting the youth of the world. And I'm sure that COVID-19 lockdowns and all this other stuff going on is a part of this. It said that depression and anxiety in adolescence is going up. 25% of the youth in the United States are experiencing depressive symptoms and 20% experiencing symptoms of anxiety. In early 2021, Emergency department visits, they say. I'm assuming this is emergency room visits to hospitals in the US for suspected suicide attempts, up 51% in adolescent girls and 4% in adolescent boys over 2019. And there's some interesting numbers in there 4% in boys, that is probably around the margin of error. So that's almost like no change. Which you really have to wonder if COVID 19 is the issue, if lockdowns are the issue. That's a big split between girls and boys. Now, girls, I think, and I'm not a girl, so I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps it is more about what I have talked about here quite a bit, which is the toxic social media influence on especially younger females who take part in this. Do you watch this? This is the world you see, especially, I would guess, if you're under lockdown. The outside world you're seeing is what other people are posting on Instagram, and that is not reality. That is absolutely not reality. I think I talked about here at one point, all of the people that had been outed as fakes that were influencers that would even do things like go rent a private plane for a photo shoot, whether to stand out in front of it or inside to make it look like, hey, I'm jetting off to wherever. And no, you paid like 50 bucks to use the plane for like 20 minutes to go in and take a couple of photos. People have to understand that what you see, especially with deep fakes, but Even when the photograph is legit, people could be posting stuff to make it look like they're living a completely different life, make you think that, oh, they've got it made. That's probably not the truth for a vast majority of people you're seeing on Instagram. Another interesting Instagram story that I saw this week was just how easy it is for people to acquire illegal drugs on Instagram. I mean, Zuckerberg over at Facebook, who owns Instagram, are these people not being held responsible for the fact that it is seemingly child's play, literally, to be able to acquire drugs on the platform? The people that did this study found that it took less clicks to find a drug dealer and interact with them on Instagram than it did to sign out of your Instagram account. And I guess there are, I don't go onto Instagram. I don't pay any attention to Instagram, but I guess there are Instagram accounts that are like, oh, buy MDMA, buy fentanyl, buy whatever you want. You want some Oxy? Come buy Oxy. And if you follow one of those accounts that has a name like that, well, they'll message you like, hey, what do you want to buy? And this is a major problem because when I was growing up, if kids wanted to buy drugs, they'd have to go into a bad part of town probably and pay some money, maybe get robbed. Now you're doing it over the internet, over Instagram. And I'm sure there were probably kids in my school that were selling drugs. I never came across it. I'm sure it was happening, but the ease in which this can be accessed now where it could be paid for online, it could be shipped to you is absolutely insane. And these platforms are either responsible or they're not. They're either responsible for everything or they're not. And I understand both sides of the argument of freedom of speech and all of that, but this is another reason why, and I know I'm a broken record, you keep your kids off social media that's where their friends are and they love it and it's great the internet is bad there are bad people on the internet there are people who want to sell your kids drugs on instagram there are people that want to traffic your daughters on instagram you have to know this is going on you have to be aware of what information you or your kids are sharing on social media how easy it is for people to track you down just because you don't use your real name. And for God's sake, don't use your real name. But even if you're using a fake name, it's still often quite easy to track people down based upon where they post things. If you have landmarks in the background, if you have friends that are tagged in your photos that use their real name, you have to be absolutely vigilant To keep yourself safe in an age where all of this information is available to all sorts of people at their fingertips, what you, or again, more importantly in this case, what your kids are doing, where they are. And you have to be aware. You just have to be aware of that. Now, Instagram, again, not being reality, we see a lot of people on Instagram who have tens of thousands of followers. We have some people on Instagram who have millions of followers. And the question is, does that really mean they will be able to sell a product? I mean, maybe drugs are really easy to sell. When it comes to books, I thought this was quite interesting. The Instagram pull of somebody like Billie Eilish, who is a huge star on the music scene right now. She has 97 million followers on Instagram, 6 million on Twitter, which I think is an interesting look right there too, which is, well, why? Why are there so many less people following her on Twitter? Does nobody want to see the words that she posts? Is it all just about seeing images? And maybe it is. I think we are moving as a society to one that is completely inarticulate, illiterate, doesn't want to have to worry about writing things. Oh, let's just take a picture. That's enough. And things like Instagram propagate that formula down the line. But Billie Eilish, you get 97 million Instagram fans, 6 million Twitter. Maybe this means that the younger generation has already abandoned Twitter, which would be good because Twitter sucks but Instagram really isn't much better, but with that kind of an alleged fan base, I then wonder with stories like this, how many of those fans are real, how many were maybe bought from a user farm in India, there's a lot of these, you want followers, you can pay somebody five bucks and get a thousand followers, and a lot of this, again, not real, not reality, And you can see this because even though Billie Eilish has 97 million Instagram fans, she came out with a book six months ago. So, here, this is again, maybe pictures, words. Billie Eilish may be learning this that six million people on Twitter, 97 million on Insta, all they want is to see you and don't really care what you're saying, which is weird when you're a singer because you think then people really are interested in your words. Maybe it's just the medleys in Billie Eilish's case because her book which has now been out for six months, has sold a whopping 64,000 copies. Let's see, out of 97 million Instagram fans, plus 6 million Twitter, okay, they may be overlapping, but you have about 100 million people following you on social media, 64,000 bought the book. Well, no, 64,000 copies of the book were sold. I don't know how many Billie Eilish actually bought herself. Because I know that from working in the country music industry, that there were releases that the artists themselves would often buy a pretty big chunk to be able to inflate the numbers, give away all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's a really bad number considering Billie Eilish's publisher thought, wow, man, this is a great idea. Billie Eilish, she could really move books. And they gave her a million dollars to write the book. And that's not going very well for him. I don't know why they would think that somebody, just because they are good at selling records, and in this case, not even selling records anymore, it's mainly just being streamed. But somebody that's good at music doesn't necessarily translate over to the world of literature, selling books, 64,000 copies in six months. That is sad. Elan Omar, the Democratic representative from Minnesota, she also has a book. She has 3 million Twitter followers and 1.3 million Instagram followers, so more people do want to hear her words or see her words than to see her. But her book, which came out in May of 2020, so over a year and a half now, 26,000 copies sold. I mean, if I sold 26,000 copies, I'd be really happy. But Ilhan Omar, 26,000 copies, 3 million Twitter followers, again, social media. And those people that follow you don't necessarily translate. Piers Morgan, 8 million Twitter followers, 1.8 million Instagram followers. He had a book come out a year ago, 5,650 copies of a book. I think, you know what, I might be able to sell Five thousand six hundred and fifty copies of a book. If I came out with it in the first year, I think I can do that. So, peers, I don't know how bad your book was, but the fans are not buying it. By contrast, Bill O'Reilly—if you've been listening—you know I'm a fan of Bill, and he has written a lot of books over the last ten years plus, including the Killing series, which is just phenomenally successful. That series alone, if the numbers I pulled are right, or maybe this was all a Bill O'Reilly sales, either way, over 18 million copies sold. His latest book that was published and another one is coming early next year, but the latest one that was published this year, Killing the Mob, had 600,000 printed when it was ready to go to the public and it's still selling strong as far as I can tell. So Bill's probably selling at least 10 times more, maybe even more than that, than Billie Eilish, which again, I think it shows your audience is more important on their interests beyond their size. Because Bill O'Reilly, I just looked it up, 3.1 million followers on Twitter. So a paltry amount. I mean, that's Half of what Billie Eilish has. But no, Bill sells 18 million books, Billie Eilish, 64,000. Yeah, I know. She sells millions of records. So she beats Bill there. But just because somebody is popular on social media does not mean people are going to buy a book. It doesn't mean they're going to buy any of the merchandise you put out. It doesn't mean they're going to send you money. It is all fake. Following people's numbers on social media. Really mean nothing. The internet's a cesspool. Keep your kids off. And we'll jump down off the soapbox on that. But violence is still roaming rampant in the United States. And there's not much being done about it. Last night, the tree, the Christmas tree, outside of the Fox News studios in Manhattan was torched. This is a 50 foot tree. Guy climbed up, well, used some kind of accelerant, it appears, and lit the tree ablaze. They caught him. Will anything happen to him? No, in New York, probably not. Bill O'Reilly was talking about a couple of cases recently where a guy went out and just slashed somebody in the face, a woman, and then wasn't even held. Because, you know, it's it's wrong to hold people in jail and to have them put bail up because, you know, when you're poor, you just don't have the money. So then was back out there assaulting somebody else the next day. And this is what's happening with all of these smash and grabs. People are getting picked up on the smash and grabs on these massive mobs that are out robbing stores and they're being released immediately because these liberal DAs don't believe in bail. They don't believe in holding them. We talked about this with the Waukesha Parade Massacre. Career criminals continually being led out to create more problems, more carnage, to assault more people, and the liberals in charge of all these cities just don't care. Do not care. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez doesn't even believe that the smash and grabs exist. So, I mean, she's living in a whole new kind of la-la land. She is so far off the reservation that when asked about it, even Jen Pisaki is disagreeing with her. Like, of course, we know that these smash and grabs, these massive groups of people that are going in and robbing stores blind, everything from your Ulta Beauty stores up through your Nordstrom's and your Louis Vuitton stores, they're all being hit. Home Depot's hit. And Joe Biden is sending resources to try and help. I don't know what kind of resources you're sending, Mr. President. I mean, the FBI can go and they can look into this. But when you have liberal district attorneys and liberal mayors refusing to do anything, refusing to prosecute people, the crime is going to continue. There was a mob. In Chicago, a couple of days ago over the weekend, where a CTA bus driver heard a noise, stopped the bus, got out to investigate. So I don't know if it sounded like a you know, a tire had gone, maybe a gunshot, something like that. And he was confronted by a mob of young children, I mean, I'll use that term in quotes, and beaten quite severely. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago who is just horrible, absolutely horrible, came out and actually said, well, you know, parents, do you know where your kids are? And yeah, they're out committing heinous crimes in the streets of Chicago, and they don't care. The government, the police, the mayor, you're all absolutely useless. When there is no punishment for the crime, People are going to commit the crime. Even people who wouldn't normally have thought about committing the crime, when you have a society where this is becoming the norm, I go. I could just walk in and smash that counter and take a couple of Rolexes, and even if I get caught, they're not going to do anything to me? Then why not do it? Feels good. Go out and do it, because even if you get caught, it means nothing. It means nothing, Mayor Lightfoot. Do the parents know where their kids are? They don't care. The parents don't care. And a lot of this starts at home. But we can't have a society of law and order where you do not prosecute people who break the laws. There have to be punishments for people that are violent, especially. I don't care how old they are. At this point, I don't care if you're 10 years old. If you take a hammer and hit somebody in the head while they're walking down the street, you go to jail. And you could blame the parents, that's fine. Put the parents in jail too, if the kid's under a certain age, because they should be responsible as well. But I don't care how old you are, you'll learn really quick when there are penalties for bad behavior, you'll understand not to commit the bad behavior anymore, or you better be willing to do the time. It's like Beretta. Wow, what was that, 1970s? Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. We need to teach the whole new generation this because this whole new generation's been taught everybody gets a trophy, everybody's special. It doesn't matter what you do. We're going to pat you on the head and say, Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jenny. That's great. And we can't have that. For a society to exist, you need law and order. And for have law and order, then you actually have to. Enforce the laws that you have. Otherwise, you have chaos, and that is exactly what you have in so many cities now, including here in Chicago. You have chaos. The video of this CTA driver being beaten, and you see hundreds of young kids that are in a mob just running rampant. It is something out of a bad movie. But Mayor Lightfoot, you're at fault here too. You actually need to have a district attorney that will prosecute these people. And if your district attorney won't prosecute the people, then maybe it's time to go back to the concepts of people like the original Mayor Daly, where if people get out of hand, you tell the cops, you know, let's go hurt some people. Because this is what you need to do to bring order back into line. And I know that's a horrible concept. Because some innocent people may get swept up in this, but if you're in a mob of people that are committing violent acts, you probably get what you deserve. You probably do. But that's what needs to be done in order for people to exist peaceably. People cannot be allowed to break the law and continually get away with it. One person that didn't get away with it was Joe Biden. We talked to you at length in an episode, and I really should have looked up the number, but you can do a search if you want. We told you about Sole Omarova, who was Joe Biden's nomination for the head of the office of the comptroller of the currency, which I didn't even know existed until Joe Biden put Ms. Omarova up for this. And her whole concept was she didn't think there should be any private banks. Remember that? The government should control every bit of currency. She yearned for her days back in the Soviet Russia where everybody was equal. I mean, yeah, everybody was poor and miserable, but everybody was equal. But she was so far to the left that Biden has now had to withdraw her nomination for that office. So a little victory there. Not a major victory, but a little victory. And I will take it. I do have a few people to thank for today's show, which is a huge victory. We do work on the value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast, which means we put these shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to listen to them for free and ask yourself, did I get any value out of this podcast? And if the answer to that is yes, you go to Random Thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. You click that Donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You use some of the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. Or you could even give the post office some business and go the snail mail route by using our P.O. Box address. And we have a variety of people today who have used a variety of methods. And they're all very much appreciated, including a $25 check that came in from Anonymous, a repeat donation from Anonymous. A note was included that says, I learned about NFTs, I learned about Woke, enjoyed the Beatles episode, and it makes my afternoon when I listen to your show. And that is very much appreciated. I mean, we're here. It's that whole concept. Entertainment, hopefully, enlightenment. Hit on a topic or two that you haven't heard about before and hopefully provide some value for you. Also coming in today at $20.69, Brad Sharpa who says, just wanted to say thanks for all you do. Keep on rocking and donating feels great. Yes, supporting your favorite shows, especially at this time of year, is important. When it comes to podcasts, you have to understand that you're the only one. This sounds like a PBS thing, but you're the only one keeping them going. And if you want the shows to continue, the best thing you can do, no matter what shows you're listening to, is support them. In any way you can. So thank you, Brad. Coming in with his $6.66 monthly donation is Stu Coates. I was assured it was not a satanic reference. I'm not so sure though. But luck has been pretty good ever since the kitchen drain has been fully cleared. So, I mean, hopefully, all those bad things haven't had a cable die recently. So if this happens again after today, then I'm going to have to start blaming you, Stu. But I appreciate the donation and the support for the Random Thoughts podcast. Coming in with $5 all the way from Australia, Graham Stanton. Hope everything's going well down there for you. I keep waiting for news that Australia is coming around, opening up, and finding sanity. And it seems that the stories are going in the other direction again. So our thoughts are with you down there. Keep fighting the good fight. And of course, yes, F Cancer. Johnny Hipwell comes in with five bucks. And that was across a few of the different shows that I do, including Planet Rage with Larry Blydner and Unrelenting with Gene Tuliev. So I appreciate everybody, especially that listens to more than one of my shows. I know I can bloviate a lot, a Bill O'Reilly word there, but I really enjoy doing it and coming in. With 3,333 Satoshis, which is about two bucks or three. It's hard to say. Bitcoin keeps going up. Bitcoin keeps going down. Forgot to mention this on the last show. And I apologize for that. It's our friend and buddy, comic strip blogger who has a podcast. He is a genius, though, because he only writes the podcast and then somebody else reads it for him and does all the performance stuff. And you can find that if you're interested in AI, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, was really important in making this Beatles thing work. Comic Strip blogger, his day job is in artificial intelligence. So check out his podcast about artificial intelligence, cooking.ai. Or if you just want to see the goofy doodles that he does, go to comicstripblog.com. But he sent us a boostagram over using the podcasting 2.0 system which if you're listening right now, you can boost. You can send a boost If you want more information on all of that, you can go to newpodcastapps.com. But yeah, this covers everything. For this edition of Random Thoughts, we had donations via check. We had donations via crypto with the Satoshis and we had PayPal donations coming in. So all of those donations very much appreciated. We try to make it easy. Again, just go to randomthoughts.com slash donate if you want to help support the show it is all very much appreciated i will be back next wednesday with another edition of the random thoughts podcast but until then i am darren o'neill thanks for listening